Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, we'll be featuring Kirk McElhern. He's the iTunes guy for Macworld. And we'll also hear from Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider with cutting-edge commentary. All this and so much more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy, joining us for kind of a year-end roundup of this, that, and the other thing. And before we go on, this is something, of course, that you living out in the wilderness over there in the UK may not appreciate. But there's a story out today from USA Today announcing that Amazon has launched a new service that works with Prime where you get two-hour delivery in some parts of the country. Isn't it only in a couple of major cities? Right now it will be available in Manhattan starting like a couple of days before you hear the show. And that's part of Manhattan. I expect the less savory neighborhoods will be excluded. And then it's supposed to roll out in other locations over the next year or so. The question I have, though, is how do you make a profit from that? Well, my first question is how exactly are they doing it? Um, Let's assume that they've got, I don't know, a a distribution center in Hoboken. It can take an hour to get into midtown Manhattan. So the order's got to be picked and packed and all that, get into a truck. Then you're not going to send a truck with a single package. It can take an hour to get into Midtown. You can't always park where you're going to be delivering. So I'm just trying to think what would be the process. Have they have they set up uh, a drone port someplace in Manhattan, for instance, so they can send drones with packages across the river? Uh, again, assuming they're, they've got a distribution center, it's got to be someplace either just across the river in New Jersey or let's say Long Island City or something like that. But since Manhattan's an island, they're going to have to get across the river. So maybe they've set up like a drone port and they'll be droning packages in and then giving them to bicycle carriers or something. Well, I understand this is only certain levels of merchandise. I mean, you're not going to go on You're there. not going to order a TV set. Yeah. No, you're not going to get a 70-inch Ultra HD TV set and have it delivered to your home within two hours. Unless you pay no, but, an arm and leg and a foot. No, but if you want a book or a, or a cell phone or a Kindle, for instance... Yeah, but yeah, how are they going to make money? That's the question we've always been asking of Amazon. How are they going to make money? And they have great cash flow, but profits are very slim. And a lot of times they lose money, but somehow they defy the odds and stay in business anyway. Well, remember that they're in a sector. I mean, we can't consider Amazon to be standard retail. You have to consider them more like a supermarket. And I think the sort of across-the-board profit margin for supermarkets is something around 3%. No matter what, they're not going to make a lot of money because they're moving a lot of merchandise, but all their logistics costs do a big hit. Remember, they're getting, let's assume they're getting a 30%, let's assume they're making a 40% gross profit. They've got all the expenses to pay for. And that's why, for instance, with supermarkets, the margins are so low. So Amazon's delivery system has gone through a bunch of changes since I've been in the country here in the UK. A few months ago, I wrote on, on my blog about this a month or a month and a half ago. They started their own delivery service. Now, I, I found out after I wrote the article that they'd been doing this in London for about a year, but they've been expanding it to the rest of the country here. 
basically they've got drivers that work for them. They all seem to have rented vans. They get lots and lots of packages to deliver and they deliver anytime between about 8 a.m. and 9 p.m. And they even deliver on Sundays. Now, what's interesting is they seem to have stopped that. Sometime in November, all of a sudden, they announced that you'd be able to pick up Amazon packages at the post office, at any post office in the country. So Amazon will drop off the package and you'll get an email and you'll go and you show them ID. And it seems that about that time, I haven't gotten a single Amazon package, and I do order a number of things from them, from their own delivery service. I've gotten from other courier services and from the post office itself. Their original goal here, obviously, was to save money on the delivery cost. But the problem was that in a lot of places, the delivery people would just throw the packages in front of houses and drive away. And I guess they ended up losing more money from stolen goods or broken things than they were saving on the delivery. Well, this here, I wonder how this is going to play out. Now, I had a couple of items brought to my home through Amazon Prime, not two-hour delivery. I'm in the boondocks here. No, I'm actually someplace outside of Phoenix. But it came in a private truck, even though, in theory, it was going by United Parcel Service. But when I looked outside, it was some sort of rented truck. Now, maybe they hired more trucks during the holiday season. That's possible. The other thing is, which is really peculiar, is the United States Postal Service has a relationship with these overnight carriers. And some parts of an area, they will drop the package off to the post office and let the post office carrier bring it to your home. Yeah, I, I just got a UPS package a couple hours ago in, in an unmarked van. I think that's UPS hiring extra drivers for the Christmas season. For the post office thing, it, it's a different sort of process. It's kind of like um, there, there used to be something some years ago called air-speeded shipping from the U.S. to Europe. And it would be a company like DHL that would throw a whole bunch of things into a container and ship them by mail and then drop them off with the local post offices. So this is certainly something that they can do in a number of countries. I mean, we get Amazon packages here sometimes through the post office. Uh, and even Prime packages. Ne Prime here is next day delivery. And we even get some of them from the, the mailman. I think Amazon's pretty flexible. They can drop any packages off they want at the post office and just pay for the shipping, you know, pay the post office. But obviously they've got to deal with the post office since they're dropping it off at, at a central, at a specific post office, I think, rather than at a, a sorting center. I think if I'm not wrong here, you see more of that when you're farther away from a major city. It's not like in the middle of a major city. You're not in the middle of a major city. No, I'm far from a major city. That, that could be one of the reasons. It's obvious that Amazon wants to save money on shipping because it's one of their biggest expenses. They've got people into Prime because Prime is actually a pretty good deal. I, I was paying 49 pounds, and so I got Prime just before they added, well, about six months before they added Prime Video here, which was new in the UK. I think we discussed it on the show back when it started. And so Prime is now going to be £79. I don't remember, is it $99 in the States? It's, huh, it's $99, yes. Yeah. So they make up that money relatively easily on people who don't order a lot of stuff. But once you get to be ordering a lot of stuff, then it's costing them a lot of money. Over here... Um, if I choose to have something that is eligible for prime delivery, not delivered quickly, they give me a one pound credit toward digital content. So Kindle books, movie rentals, MP3s. 
So basically, they're paying me a pound to not take a package prime. Of course, that saves them a lot of money in the end. It saves them money, um, but it, it, you can think that over a long term, either I'm saving an extra pound on a book, which I don't need in a hurry, or prime is costing me one pound less for each book uh, you know, for over the year for each book or whatever I've ordered like that. Um, so it's, it's true that once I saw that, and this is pretty recent here, once I saw that, I started most of my Amazon orders, I choose that route to save a pound each time because it's very rare that I need something in a hurry. When I did want something in a hurry, I ordered something Monday and it was supposed to come Tuesday and it was delayed until yesterday. So I could have saved a pound and not gotten it rushed and it was delayed anyway. Let me tell you a story here and we'll continue this in our next segment. Okay, so my wife and her sister are trying to start up a little eBay business selling handbags and accessories for women, okay? So they put up a few handbags that they got from a wholesaler and finally they get an order, their first order, okay? Fascinating. Of course, you're going to applaud the first order, ready to start yeah. business. So, of course, I helped to prepare the package. I printed out the postage via eBay, went to the post office, and then in a moment I'll tell you the rest of the story. This is the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the protectors. Find out more at rockoids.com. That's rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. On the average, Americans work between 45 to 50 years hoping to build up enough wealth to retire and live out their golden years. Unfortunately, with taxation, the rising cost of food, energy, housing, and medical, many retirees are forced to live below the poverty line. Is this a flaw free enterprise, or is our monetary unit we call the Federal Reserve Note forcing us into perpetual debt, ensuring inflation and higher taxes? These questions and more can be answered by reading G. Edward Griffin's book, The Creature from Jekyll Island. Congressman Ron Paul states it's what every American needs to know about central bank power. A gripping adventure into the secret world of international banking cartel. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. I will give a silver dollar from the early 1900s to anyone who purchases this book. Call 1-800-686-2237 and order a copy today. It's critical that the public be made aware of the system. Call and order your copy today at 1-800-686-2237. That's 1-800-686-2237. What good is a big Berkey water filter? 
We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey Water Filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, just imagine, there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercials. Just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us at advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have Kirk McElhern, and I'm going to give you the story, the sad story behind the first order my wife received for a designer-inspired handbag, okay, with some kind of really fascinating picture. Anyway, that's not important. The importance is we get the payment. We print the label. We box it. We take it to the post office. It was scanned as we do this episode five days ago. It's still in limbo. It was sent via priority mail, which is two or three day service. It should have arrived there on Monday. Post office doesn't know what happened to it. The very first order. It's embarrassing, but it shows the way a lot of post offices work. The U.S. Postal Service has had a pretty bad reputation for years. I've always been actually quite pleased in France. The Postal Service was very good. And here in the U.K., it seems good most of the time. Once you get around Christmas, obviously, they're really overwhelmed. But yeah, the U.S. Postal Service isn't very good about that stuff. Well, I've had problems with Federal Express. I've had problems with United Parcel Service. And I've spent hours on the phone yelling at each and every one to try to get some responsive service. In any case, what we're doing is putting in a claim that was insured. We have another one of those items here. We'll send it out to the customer as a replacement with the promise that if it ever shows up, just send it back to us or notify us. And there you go. That's the experience. By the way, speaking of experience, we have an interesting experience for you called Tech Night Owl Plus. I'm sure you've heard us talk about it before. 
Tech Night Owl Plus is a new subscription service where you can get a higher resolution copy of the Tech Night Owl Live with the commercials removed. You have to pay a few bucks a month to gain that privilege. But if you want to save 41 minutes on each episode ad-free, go to plus.technightowl.com. That's P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com to get all the details to sign up and access the ad-free version. We also are going to be opening up chat rooms and we'll have other special stuff at Tech Night Owl Plus. Okay, Kirk. So when we send the replacement, I assume we'll still use the post office because we don't have much time and to send it by UPS or Federal Express for two or three day service will cost more than yeah. the item cost us. Yeah. I had a similar problem last year. There's a, a company that makes chocolates here in the UK and, and it's quite good. And I wanted to send a box to my mother. So I ordered it, it was shipped and it was tracked. And then all of a sudden it disappeared. It had been signed for at her local post office and no one could ever find it. Fortunately, the company was very good about it in terms of customer service. They sent her a replacement box of chocolates and they sort of FedExed it. They sent me one as an apology. And about a month later, she got the original box of chocolates, which the post office found in her local post office, sort of under a table someplace. But the problem is when you're a small business, you can't afford to do that kind of customer service. It's just too expensive. As you say, the cost of FedExing or whatever um, is going to be more than the merchandise that you're shipping. You just don't have the resources to be able to spend that. Well, we are going to at least give a replacement. And also we have an accessory wallet. We bought a few of those to sell as a package to customers. So we're going to send them the accessory wallet. Yeah, but the problem is that your business or what is it, your sister's business or whatever, is paying the cost of postal services incompetence it's insured we supposedly will get that money back eventually you're getting back the value of the item and the postage but you're not getting back the extra stuff you're sending to the customer you're not getting back well i hope you're getting back the customer goodwill i hope the customer will appreciate all that you've done to make sure that the person gets what they've ordered well i think the best example of good customer service is what they do when something goes wrong, whether it's their fault or the fault of a third party like the package delivery service. And I think that's where you provide good customer service. You make good on it. Amazon will make good on mistakes or problems. That's why so many people use them. It's very important to provide good customer service. I think Apple provides most times pretty decent customer service. I know you've had situations there where you've had defective hardware. I think more yep. than anybody I know, all the <laughs> cases of defective Mac hardware that I know about happened to Kirk McElhern. Yeah, I, I have been lucky in the past few years. But I will confirm what you say about Amazon. On Black Friday over here, they were doing a bunch of, what do they call them, lightning deals or whatever. And there was a box set of CDs that I ordered, and it was supposed to be delivered on Monday. By the end of the week, when it didn't show up, I looked, I had almost forgotten about it. I looked online and I saw that it was listed as sitting, no, it had been listed as leaving the depot at the town nearest me. So it was really good tracking information, uh, but it disappeared. So I called Amazon and two minutes on the phone, the person says, no problem. We're going to place another order. I called on a Saturday, actually, and I got it delivered on Sunday and they don't want to waste any time and lose time and lose customers for that. So they just replace things immediately. They don't hassle and they worry about it afterwards on their end tracing. And this was even a package that was being tracked and they could see that it sort of just disappeared at one point. Sometimes you wonder if somebody out there borrowed the item. 
if it fell off the truck, as exactly. we used to say. Yeah. Right. Or it fell off the loading platform or something. So somebody out there has this beautiful designer handbag that belongs yes. to our customer. Yeah. I hope you have a good label in it so they can show it to their friends who are going to then buy other ones. Well, if they want to buy other ones, you know, it's a product that anybody could sell. It's not something that's exclusive to us. My wife and her sister do want to do that. Of course, we're starting this business on a shoestring. So I've got to give them ample opportunity to build things up. Anyway, if your girlfriend wants, no, we can't ship to the UK, I was going to suggest, but no, we can't ship to the UK. I was going to ask you some updates of the things that you talked about over the year. Of course, you have satellite internet and a very slow DSL connection. Has that changed at all? Yeah, I'm canceling the satellite internet. It just got so unreliable and it's just not worth the money I'm paying for it. The DSL has gotten faster since I've been here. It was about two megabits when I got here and it's generally about three pretty stable now. I can expect it to get a little bit faster. They're they're rebuilding a lot of the internet infrastructure. Um, One thing they're doing is they're bringing fiber to the cabinet in a lot of areas around here. I don't know if we'll get that in the short term. That would get me speeds up around 15 to 20 megabits. But I think even beyond that, they're just making bigger trunk lines. So even the low speed local internet service is faster. I mean, from two to three, that's a 50% jump. I'm not expecting another big jump. But if we do get fiber to the cabinet, I'm still about two miles away from the cabinet in question. So, you know, that's too far for DSL. No, 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 no. It's not too far. It's just that your speed goes down. Yes. I mean, I have DSL now, but you won't, you won't get the high speeds. You won't get the 20 megabits, which is what you can generally get in a city here. When I was in New York, I had about 15 megabits. So if we could get six or eight, that would be improvement. But the satellite was costing 65 pounds a month, which is what, about a hundred, more than a hundred dollars a month. Um, It's just not cost effective. There were too many times when it didn't work. One of the biggest problems and one of the reasons I bought it was for things like OS 10 betas at five gigabytes and iOS updates at more than a gigabyte. And it seems that the satellite provider was throttling things that were coming from Apple. I went through a whole process with the the company i deal with who's sort of a middleman saying look here's the speed test i'm getting um here's the speeds i'm getting on an apple download got more to say with kirk McElhern on the tech night out live independently leading the way for the nation compelling talk for every political persuasion, we are GCN. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. First attack of the rockoids and it was a critically acclaimed success and now there is the coming of the protectors a former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream a dream that turns out to be a nightmare because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the earth this is gripping science fiction of the classic kind attack of the rockoids and the coming of the protectors find out more at rockoids.com that's rockoids r-o-c-k-o-i-d-s dot com 
The average American family spends over $1,000 a month on food. No person is exempt from this need. With the holidays here, why not give the most important gift you can give? The gift of food freedom and security. GoFoods is perfect for the college student, traveler, outdoorsman, family, busy professional, and the retired. Storable for 25 years, non-GMO, kosher certified, and affordable, GoFoods meals are easy to make. Add water, and in 15 minutes, you have a delicious meal. GoFoods packaging allows you to store food in the small of living spaces. Take GoFoods anywhere. The bug out bag, the RV, the car, the trail, the pantry, and on the table. Go anywhere, but don't go hungry. Serve it today, save it for the future, and share it this holiday season. Special holiday packages available. Call 800-648-9753 or on the web at www.storefoodnow.com. That's 800-648-9753 or www.storefoodnow.com. We live in a complicated society. Stressful issues are always popping up. Have you ever been treated unfairly by someone? Have you ever been overcharged for a repair? Have you ever signed a contract or a document? Worried about identity theft? How many times have you been in those unique situations where you just wanted to call an attorney to find out if you're right or wrong or what your legal rights are? But every time you think about calling an attorney, what do you think about first? That's right. Who do you call and how much will it cost? Our friends at Legal Shield have found a solution. With a nationwide network of 6,900 attorneys who average over 19 years of experience, Legal Shield's law firms take over 40,000 calls per week helping their members. For less than $20 per month, you can have access to Legal Shield on everything from the trivial to the traumatic. Let Legal Shield stand up for your rights at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Or call 855-340-SAVE. 855-340-7283. Results will vary from case to case. For over five years, you've been hearing about the Berkey guy, so you may know a few things about him. For example, you are well aware of the superior quality and effectiveness of Berkey water filters and accessories. But did you know the Berkeys have had independent lab tests done to prove just how effective they are? It's true, and he can email you the test results. Just visit GoBerkey.com. You may also know that the Berkey guy has helped tens of thousands of people get better prepared. Now here's something you may not know. GoBerkey.com has amazing specials and deals all the time on a wide variety of survival and preparedness products. Most ready to ship same day. Visit the Berkey guy at GoBerkey.com and be sure to click the red Products on Sale Now button. You can always call toll-free 877-886-3653. Again, that's 877-886-3653. GoBerkey.com, home of the Berkey guy. Live with Gene Steinberg, it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. So Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld, and general all-around nice guy, fellow New Yorker, is telling us here that, listen, you know, you owe me on the last bill for doing that, but seriously. (laughs) Okay, so you're telling us here that your satellite provider was throttling the connections from certain people like Apple, because a lot of people download stuff from Apple. So therefore, Apple is clogging the pipes. I bet they do that with Netflix, too. Um, you know, I, I tried Netflix and never had a serious problem. But speeds were slow enough on like Friday and Saturday evenings 
when it was you know peak usage time that it was still faster on the DSL. Netflix works surprisingly well at two or three megabits because you know they have this sort of adaptive streaming rate or whatever. I don't know what the technical term is, um, but you can get good quality. It's not HD, but you can get good quality even at low bit rates. So you know at at the speed that we get on the DSL, we pretty much use that most of the time for Netflix. Let me just tell you our internet situation. Up till just a couple of days ago, I've been using CenturyLink, which is DSL, although they are laying fiber in different cities, and they're going to this gigabit internet that everybody's touting now, but certainly not where I live. Now, the cable company, Cox, offers 150 megabits where I live, but they have gigabit internet in other areas of the Phoenix metropolitan area. So ultimately, that will be coming here. Of course, I won't be able to afford it unless it's fairly inexpensive. We'll see. Maybe I can get the people over there in their press department to give me a test. In any case, here, so we have the lowest cost satellite package from DirecTV that made sense and a CenturyLink package that was discounted for the first year and they renewed it for a second year and now that's coming due so the discount disappears. Suddenly the price becomes less affordable. So I check Cox's offerings, and if you agree to sign up for two years, you get a package where you save about a third of the total cost, a little bit over a third. And therefore, I get higher speed internet. I haven't checked the speeds yet, but much higher than I'm getting. And you get the TV, pretty much the same package, similar stations. They all offer almost the same thing. They all offer six shows at once and multi-room and all this other nonsense. Like DirecTV offers a genie box. Cox has Contour, and of course, Dish Network offers that crazy system where supposedly it skips commercials, but not until a few days, and it records shows you don't want to give you the ability to skip commercials. Don't ask me to explain that. The Hopper, I think they call it, you know. But never heard of any of this. Okay, right. Well, you've been out of the country. So what do you do for TV over there? You have a satellite set or what? Uh, no, we don't actually, because I find it ridiculously expensive. There's pretty much one satellite TV provider here, and that's Sky. It's the network that's owned by Rupert Murdoch. We actually looked the other day to see what it would cost to get basic package plus like movie channels plus um, HD. You pay extra for HD, which is somewhat ridiculous. Uh, it came to something like 75 pounds a month. So we're talking $120 a month. And I see absolutely no need to pay that much for TV. When I was in France, we've talked many times about my internet and mobile service through this company called Free in France. And I paid, well, the basic TV, HD over ADSL plus internet was, what was it, 20 euros a month, something like that. Uh, you could then subscribe to individual channels a month at a time if you wanted, a channel at a time. It was very intelligently done. You didn't have to go for bundles like you generally do with cable or whatever. But I didn't bother too much. Um, there's some, we rent movies from the iTunes store, we watch Netflix, and we have Amazon Prime Video now, which is not much better than Netflix. Uh, but we have your standard satellite TV, and my TV can record. So if there's anything on the BBC, the, you know, the channels without commercials, um, I'll record movies or, or use what the, the BBC calls their iPlayer, which is the thing you use, the, the catch-up thing, so you can see programs from the past week or month, depending on the program. All right. Well, here, wherever you live in the United States, you may have a local cable company, but at least you have, hopefully, satellite if you have a 
clear view to where the satellite is situated on the horizon. Yeah, that, that's how Sky works here. It could be, um, there are only some parts of the United Kingdom that have cable, but Sky is either satellite or DSL if you have the speed. Now, this is all going to change, in fact. Um, this week, BT, which is British Telecom, the former tr- historical nationalized operator, after privatization, everything split up. They just announced they're buying EE, which is my mobile provider. They're buying, it's not clear whether they're buying EE's mobile business only or all of EE's business, which also includes broadband and landline. EE just launched a TV over ADSL service, which is surprisingly, they're late getting that here. They've been doing it in France for about 10 years. Um, So this is going to change because BT has a similar competing TV service. So you're going to start getting more TV over ADSL. I doubt anyone else is going to go into the satellite business. Only Sky really has that for now. But I think as as DSL speeds increase, you're going to see more uh, offers of TV coming in in that manner. And when I was using this in France, the quality was excellent. You know, you can also record, so you're not even that worried about the actual quality when you're watching it. If you're watching at a peak period, and there's a lot of people using the internet, and the speeds slow down because you can record at an off-peak time and watch when you want. Now, CenturyLink has an ADSL service here called Prism, which is TV. And the nice thing about it, if you have it, is that channel switching is really fast because with satellite TV, you change the channel and you got to wait a second or two for it to come up, or it seems that way. But with this particular system, it's really quite speedy or reasonably speedy. I did, you know, I had satellite in France for a couple of years and I never noticed it being that slow. Um, maybe your satellites are further away. I don't know. I haven't checked that, but definitely you have to wait. Now, supposedly with Prism and my sister-in-law has it, it's almost instantaneous. It's a direct internet connection. With Cox, it's halfway between the two extremes. So there you go. That's if you're doing a lot of channel switching. If not, it doesn't make a difference. You know, if mostly watching stuff that you've recorded with a DVR, it doesn't make a difference. Now, the big question, of course, is as we look at these TV offerings, what is Apple going to do? What is Apple's endgame with Apple TV? Because right now, supposedly, Roku is the number one seller of streamers. And that, what is it, the silly thing from Google? that little tiny Chromecast Chromecast thingy for $40. That is selling pretty well. So supposedly the Apple TV is third best because it's the same model that they released two years ago. So what is Apple's end game? Should we speculate on that? It's obviously Apple doesn't seem to be ready to produce a full-blown TV set yet or ever. Yeah, I think we spent a whole show discussing the pros and cons of an Apple TV set. Um, and we pretty much agreed that it doesn't make a lot of commercial sense. I don't see Apple as I don't see Apple going into the um, television bundle provider business. And I think there's two reasons for that. The first is it means they have to pick and choose, and they're going to make enemies. So if they're offering one channel and not another, there's going to be problems of content that they can and can offer, and it'll be confusing. But I think the second, don't you have to have FCC approval to be able to offer something like that? And that sounds like something 
Can any one company offer that in the entire United States? I know here you can. It's not a problem. But in the United States, aren't you limited to the number of markets you can offer TV services to? If it's streaming, it's like Netflix. So Netflix okay. is available anywhere. Well, it's is it technically going to be streaming? Or, or are they going... So there's two possibilities. They offer a package of live TV which is like what you're talking about from your different satellite providers, or they offer a different a package of streaming services. Let's say they bundle Netflix and HBO and Showtime into a package, but you can't see them live. You can only see them streaming. Let's stream to another segment. Let's. With Kirk McElhern, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night High Live. Nation's largest independently owned and operated talk radio network, the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com Alex Jones here. For the last two years, I've been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to design a nutraceutical formulation that has truly life-changing health benefits. So many other formulations out there contain toxic ingredients, synthetic additives, and even GMOs. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit InfoWarsLife.com or call 1-888-253-3139. That's InfoWarsLife.com. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 
1,500-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. Time waits for no one. That's why you should hurry to not miss the Freeze Dry Guy's end of year case lot sale. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 to receive 20 to 25% off Mountain House freeze-dried foods. Mountain House, the gold standard in long-term storage products, include real freeze-dried meats, entrees, eggs, fruits, and vegetables. Yes, 20 to 25% off now. Also receive 30% off other selected Mountain House foods and receive 30% off selected Packaway brand dehydrated foods. Just call 866-404-3663 and ask for the freeze-dry guy. Plus, long-range patrol ration eggs and ham at superb discounts. But these are extremely hard to find and nearly gone, so call today. Ask about our LRP ice cream bars, too. Some items limited to stock on hand. And remember, the freeze-dry guy pays for shipping to your door within the lower 48 states. Order now. Don't miss out on the freeze-dry guy's end-of-year case lot sale. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. Streaming to another segment with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live, and we're considering here what are the options for Apple? Another would be working out a deal with the cable and satellite providers. And in that case, what happens here is that Apple is the front end of your satellite service. So you would access some sort of an interface to your satellite provider through the Apple TV. Or the cable company. You, you, you get the same service. It's kind of like what TiVo does to some degree. You get the same service, but using Apple's interface integrated with Apple's services. Yeah, I think the reason why Apple wouldn't want to do that is because the advantage to TiVo is that you can record things. And unless Apple sets up a way that you can get something from the Apple TV to your Mac to record it, which, by the way, I think would be a great idea, um, I can't see Apple doing that. Now, if Apple did it, that would be very interesting. I think it opens up a whole hornet's nest of problems with um, speeds on internal networks to make sure that your Wi-Fi is fast enough uh, to get the data and all that. But it could be an interesting idea. So you could either from your TV through the Apple TV or from iTunes program to record a particular program at a particular time, and then it shows up in your Apple TV library in a separate entry from movies and TV shows, maybe be recorded TV or something to, to show that it's, it's a different type of content. That would actually be quite interesting. Well, the key issue here is that any services you get from Apple would be in the cloud. Okay? So you don't have to have the traditional DVR, which is basically a hard drive. Ah, okay. So you're saying that you wouldn't record it. You would simply record a flag saying that you've added this to your TV in the cloud playlist, and you're allowed to do so because you have a contract with this cable provider, and you get HBO, for instance. Right. And because you're working directly with the cable or satellite provider, 
they're not assessing that against your bandwidth cap, which is very important because that's the other right. bane of the existence of streamers is yep. the fact that you may run a file of your bandwidth cap, especially now look at what's happening. You know, we're, we're sitting here with the new 4k services that Amazon is introducing and Netflix is introducing. We're talking about higher resolution video, 4k, super HD, whatever they call it. Already new TV sets are being sold that way. Now, if this happens, it means the bandwidth consumption is going to be much higher because you need a higher average speed. Yeah. It's not four times as much because the compression um, codecs that they're using for 4K apparently are quite efficient, but it is going to be a lot higher. As you say, if they've got bandwidth caps, then it's just a whole... Yeah, it's just a mess. But but it's an interesting idea that you said there, that basically you would be able to sort of flag something as being in your TV collection and you'd be able to access it through the Apple TV. Um, what what the providers generally do here is if you have a service through them, it doesn't affect your bandwidth cap. Uh, you don't get bandwidth caps on most internet providers. I mean, there is on the satellite, and that sort of makes sense. But you do on mobile. But if you get a like a, a music streaming service through mobile, or if you rent a movie, for instance, if I were to rent a movie on my iPad um, or my iPhone through my mobile provider, it wouldn't affect my data. It wouldn't affect my bandwidth cap for the month. So, yeah, that would be a way to do it. Um, I wonder if it's a little bit too persnickety for people to understand. But then again, I've never used a TiVo. I mean, I've had similar things here. And as I said, my TV can record. So I've seen the types of interface. They're not as bad as programming VCRs, but they're never that simple. Um, it would require, I think, that the channels, let's say HBO, Showtime, whatever, that they approach things in a different way. Instead of telling you times that things are on, they present something the way that Apple does in the iTunes store. So this month you got this movie on and you click on it, you find one is going to be on and you record it the first time or you check a thing and it's available for you anytime after that first time. Um, if there's a TV series you want to follow, you say follow that series and you'll get each episode as it's available. You'll get access to each episode as it's available. But if you have to individually record things on dates and times, that gets just to be quite annoying, I think. I just wanted to interject here. Yes, you do have bandwidth data caps on ISPs here. So for example, with CenturyLink, it's 250 gigabytes down. Supposedly, they don't count uploads. I guess if you upload too many things, they take care of it. With Cox, yeah. I'm looking at it right now. And the very cheapest starter package is 50 gigabytes, which isn't very much. If you get into their ultimate package, which is 150 megabits, you get 400 gigabytes combined download and upload. And if you get the Gigablast, which is... Of course, the gigabit internet, they give you a terabyte. Wow, okay. But then that's um, not very much if you're getting a, <laughs> a gigabit. You know, it's not very yeah. much to have a terabyte. Well, I, I never saw bandwidth caps in France. None of the ISPs do it. You do see it here, but it's generally on the low-cost contracts. There are some uh, providers that will give you a five-pound a month uh, DSL contract, and you get maybe 30 gigabytes or something like that. Um, but the majority of the providers don't have caps other than again, the satellite and these low cost ones, but it's, it's odd because in France, none of them do. Uh, I don't 
I, I don't see why you would have a bandwidth cap. Why would you do that? In even in the states, why would be? It seems it, people buy internet access to use the internet. Well, up until recently, it didn't make a difference. You say 400 gigabytes, that's a lot of bandwidth. But now it is important. And Cox, for example, gives you an online interface to figure out how much you've used. With CenturyLink, you got to ask them. Ah, <laughs> uh, that's, yeah. My, so my satellite thing had the same thing. There was a page to show you where you were um, in your quota for the month. Yeah. But yeah, that's going to have to end all of these caps and everything and you're starting to see in uh even with mobiles that the amount of data they're offering is more flexible i think this week t-mobile just announced some sort of a system where you can roll over unused data and share it across a family plan and all that and that's probably one of the it's going to be one of the big selling points um of i'd say the short-term future is not killing people on data and not trying to milk them too much for the data they use. And in particular, offering family plans, which, you know, I don't think I've seen that here yet, uh, but where people can share the data or, you know, have, have a discount on the second, third, fourth bones, whatever. Um, but they're going to have to improve all that because we shouldn't have to worry. I've never, ever, other than my satellite, I've never had a data cap on internet, even from the very first internet access. What I did have was time limits when I was using dial-up, so a certain number of hours per month. Um, but you couldn't have a data cap back then because what would you get? Twenty megabytes per month would be your data cap when you're on a, 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 a what was it? Fifty-six k modem was the fastest we had back then. Well, then it was nothing because it took. 10 years to transfer all that data. Anyway, let's move beyond that and look at a couple of other things before we let you go. And the next thing, of course, is you're the iTunes guy. That's what they say. And you're still the iTunes guy, despite the fact that Macworld is now all digital. And I keep getting these announcements every month. They want to sell me the iPad version. Yeah. Okay, right. All right. Anyway, so here's the issue here. We have... The matter of interfaces and discoverabilities, and I read your columns over at Macworld Online, also at Kirkville, your blog, and you're always finding different features that people should know about in iTunes to do the things they want, especially after everything changed. Suddenly the sidebar is really your playlist, and that confused a heck of a lot of people. Yeah. And I always wonder when you look at things like that, and I think it's a lame decision the way they handle it, discoverability. Now, Microsoft used to use the word discoverability in announcing these lame upgrades to Office. It's more discoverable. You've got the ribbon. Everything is easier to access. You don't have to go through 26 menus. You only go through 10 or something. (laughs) Discoverability. And the question, I guess, we could start here and maybe continue in the next segment. With iTunes, is it very possible here that Apple has severely sacrificed discoverability, especially if you're accustomed to doing things in the app one way. By the way, don't forget our new premium service, Tech Night Owl Plus. Tech Night Owl Plus, get an ad-free version of the show, higher resolution copy. Check it out. Get the information at plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S dot technightowl.com. And you sign up, we get you set up immediately so you can download those special copies of the show. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
minds think alike. The network for the independent-minded. The Genesis Communications Network. GCN. This is Dan Pilla. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Are tax debts crippling you? I've defended people from the IRS for over 30 years. I've helped thousands, and I can help you too. I wrote the book on IRS settlement, and I'm telling you, there's no such thing as a hopeless case. Call 800-34-NO-TAX to finally get free of IRS debt. With the IRS's new programs, there's never been a better time to solve your problem. Call 800-34-NO-TAX. That's 800-34-NO-TAX or my website, danpilla.com. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have Kirk McElhern, the iTunes guy from Macworld. We're talking about discoverability. So you see the point I'm making here, Kirk, that Maybe Apple, when introducing iTunes 12, lost something in discoverability. Well, discover, it's, a, it's a confusing term, discoverability. It suggests that people are going to look around and do like you and I do when, when an app gets updated. Look in the menus and the preferences and see what's new. And most people don't do that. If they can't see how to do something very quickly, they just won't do it. They might ask, and I do get lots of email, um, both directly through my website and from the iTunes guy columns, but people don't know how to do things and they don't know where to look. So one thing I wrote about this week was you in, in iTunes, you can shuffle what you're playing. Let's take a playlist as an example. You can shuffle the playlist and you can set it to repeat. Now, these are features that have been in CD players since probably the earliest CD players. Uh, there used to be buttons in the top sort of center part of iTunes, which is actually Apple's name for that, is the iTunes LCD. That's the thing that shows what's playing, and it shows the little play bar. And there used to be buttons for both of these, shuffle and repeat. And in iTunes 12, there's only a shuffle button. There's no repeat. So I just posted a brief article 
saying that, well, if you want to repeat, you go to the controls menu, choose repeat, and then choose all one or off. And that sounds just dumb in the description. Well, it sounds dumb. You need to know that the feature is there. You need to know that the controls menu has something useful. And then you need to know that this might be where you can find what you're looking for if you're looking for it. Interestingly, what I think is that this is just a bug and that the button is supposed to be there and it doesn't. Because when you turn it on, then turn it off, the button stays at the top of iTunes in its previous location. There's no reason for it to not be there. But So there's two things going on here. If it's a bug, A, that's kind of shoddy um, quality assurance. And if not, it is hiding a feature that a lot of people may have been used to. And as I said, this is something that's been in CD players since the 80s. So everyone's familiar with the idea of putting on a CD and repeating it. Hiding a feature like that, which is to me a basic playback feature, just seems wrong. It just doesn't make sense to me. And a lot of the changes in iTunes 12 were things like that, either providing new, imposing new ways of navigating through your content or moving certain features so people can't find them. But why would Apple do that? You know, on the one hand, I think there's nothing better than an app with an elegant interface. Minimalist interfaces are probably more attractive and less off-putting than complicated interfaces. Uh, Look at Microsoft Word with all its toolbars and buttons and all that in the default way launches. And then look at Pages now, which has... A, a sort of inspector that's attached to the window to the right, which is contextual. So you only see the buttons and fields and menus that will apply to the type of data or that you're working with. So a graphic, you see things about graphics, text, you see things about text, etc. That's more elegant because there's less to distract you. Um, now, I wouldn't, I, I would argue that iTunes is a special case that you can't really hide too many features without confusing users because people aren't used to having to look for them. There's no toolbar with buttons, um, which, hey, maybe iTunes needs a toolbar with buttons. You know that? Just just like most apps have where you can customize a toolbar and have access to the features you use often. Um, but iTunes is something which has lots of features and people who are f- familiar with doing things a certain way will get very confused when those features disappear. Again, why would they do it? I'm thinking it's to make things seem more elegant. When you look at the screenshots on Apple's website, um, iTunes does look a lot cleaner. But it's sacrificing some usability. Oh, boy. And I have to think here that Apple must be inundated with people complaining about the features that don't work. Don't you think? Well... I don't know where people complain. I mean, you know, there's a, a apple.com slash feedback, I think is the URL, and you can send them feedback. And I know that they do read the feedback. Uh, you can complain on their support forums, and I don't know how many Apple people actually read the support forums. Um, for iTunes, people complain on websites. You know, they send emails to the iTunes guy and things like that. It's not, it, it's hard to complain about Apple products because you know they don't really care that much. Um, the only times they're going to make a change because something's really wrong is when the computer press starts writing about it sufficiently to, to say that something needs to be changed. But why do they have to wait for the computer press to complain? 
Well, because most people don't know where to complain, or most people just assume that there's no way that any of these things are going to change. And that's wrong. And I think it's the same whether a developer is, is as small as a one-person home developer shop um, selling an app on the Mac App Store or as big as Apple. Uh, I think people should complain when they're not happy uh, with the way products work. iTunes and OS X and iOS, they're special cases because they're free. So technically, you may not have the same rights. You can complain, but you can't ask for a refund or anything. Yeah, I think people should. If they see something they're not satisfied with, they should get in touch with Apple. Look for that Apple feedback uh, webpage and tell Apple what you think. What did you think of this iPod trial that took place in the United States? And just to refresh your memory of our listeners, in the early days of the iTunes store, all the songs that you downloaded from iTunes, you bought from them, were protected by something called Fair Play, digital rights management. You were first allotted three computers to share those tunes. It became five, eventually. And for several years, you couldn't play them on anything else but an iPod. And then, of course, Apple had first this well-publicized letter from Steve Jobs about how bad DRM, digital rights management, was. Eventually, the music industry caved, and Apple caved in the way because they had multi-tier pricing on musical tracks. Regardless, there's no more digital rights management on those tracks. On music. On music, yeah. On there's music. still DRM on, on Oh, books yeah. And well, the music industry shows. learned this was the right way. But if you buy a movie or you rent a movie, forget about it. You still have yeah. very, very severe controls. Well, this is just music. So we have a trial here that I guess started eight or 10 years ago. And part of it was the fact that Real Networks, had its own music service, and created something called Harmony to work around the restrictions so that you could play content from real on your iPod. Yeah. Okay? And some might call it jailbreaking. I don't know. Whatever it was, they would do this, and then Apple would have a workaround that would eliminate the workaround. And went back and forth. Apple's position is they were shoring up security in iTunes. But they had this class action lawsuit about people who were supposedly aggrieved, seeking $350 million, which could be tripled if it was found that there was an antitrust violation here. Of course, the question is here, the question is moot now, because, number one, it's already happened. How can you say a person was that severely injured? If they didn't like the iTunes ecosystem, they could buy a Zune, which had its own ecosystem with very similar restrictions. So it was absurd as far as I'm concerned. And the jury took three hours to say, yet. What was your take on it? Well, I don't think the time lapse is an issue. Um, I, Microsoft got huge fines here in the EU um, well after they had been bundling uh, Internet Explorer on Windows 95 or whatever. So it took a long time for that to, to get to trial. Maybe it took 10, more than 10 years, but they got fines. Uh, I think. So I kind of vaguely remember when this was going on, but it wasn't a big deal because why would anyone have bought anything from real networks in the first place? Why would anyone buy any of their music? Um, it, it was, it's so marginal that it was ridiculous. And it really was real networks doing a hack in some way. They reversed engineered, they reverse engineered the fair play DRM, which of course, according to us law is illegal and still is. And they applied their own. No, yeah, they reverse engineered the, the Fair Play DRM so they could apply it to their own music. 
Let's Basically. continue the explanation in our next segment with Kirk McElhern. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Do you need a website? Well, you can get a great deal on hosting services with Namecheap's legendary coupon code. They're offering substantial hosting discounts on shared hosting, business hosting, VPS hosting, reseller hosting, and even dedicated servers. Namecheap is preferred by millions. It's backed by a money-back guarantee. Use the coupon code LEGENDARY to cash in on the special deal at Namecheap.com, Namecheap.com. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there is the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. Mike Stennerson for Midas Resources. At no time in history have precious metals been more important, certainly not in my 22 years in the industry. The dollar has lost over 90% of its value in the last 60 years. No fiat currency has ever survived the government printing presses. Ours is not immune. The time is now to be proactive. 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Anything tied to the dollar is at risk. CDs, annuities, 401ks, IRAs, stocks, bonds, you name it, so decide. Do you want to leave a legacy of wealth or debt for your family? The choice is yours. Call me at 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. That's 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. Be proactive, not reactive. Call 1-800-686-2237, extension 116. It's that time of year again, and you know what that means. Cold and flu season. (laughs) Don't worry, HerbalHealer.com has you and your loved ones covered with our safe and natural products. Cold and flu fighters like beta-glucans, olive leaf antiviral capsules, grapefruit seed extract, HHA 4-herb capsules, elderberry power and respirate. And don't forget about oregacillin for the lungs, normally $34.95, on sale now for only $25. Vitamin D3 120-count soft gels, only $9. Whole body and homeopathic detoxes for the lungs, kidneys, liver, lymph, and brain, Normally $26.95, now just $20. HerbalHealer.com also offers correspondence courses to teach you how to handle your health naturally. And as always, new customers get a free 128-page catalog with your order. Visit HerbalHealer.com and click the Winter Specials button to save on our natural cold and flu-fighting products. HerbalHealer.com, healing the world with nature, one person at a time, since 1988. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right. General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right. That's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 
200-foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. On the Tech Night Owl Live, we're going to now have you explain further what happened with real networks but also they had their own digital rights management scheme apple did not license fairplay to anyone ever um so you couldn't play any itunes drm protected music on a real networks device if they had their own players um, or any other devices but that was the state of the industry that none of them were interoperable and in fact it was a european union complaint that really was the last straw in all this that led Apple to finally convince the music industry to give up on DRM because it would have gone to the point that um, the European Commission would have fined all of these companies very large amounts of money for music not being interoperable. Since the music is available in a different format, so CD with no DRM, the logic was that why should, when you buy it, from download, why should you be restricted? Now, obviously, the same logic doesn't apply to DVDs and Blu-rays, which are already DRM protected, even though the, the, the restriction is easy to crack. There are plenty of apps that can rip DRMs, but they are DRM protected. So when you buy a DVD, you've never got something without DRM. Music was very different because of that. But it came down to the fact that real audio, real networks, whatever they were called, was reverse engineering fair play, which I guess was technically illegal. The, the weirdest thing about this thing was that it went to trial, that it turned out that there were no plaintiffs and that they finally found a single plaintiff because they actually had to have person who was listed as a plaintiff in addition to the class. I'm not sure how it worked. Basically, it was some lawyers trying to make some money because what, what would happen? Everyone who bought an iPod would get a buck fifty, and the lawyers would get you know $60 million if it went through. So I think it probably just looked like such a frivolous lawsuit that that's one of the reasons why it was, it basically just failed. Um, as you say, it took three hours for a jury. The fact that it went to a jury after it turned out that there were no actual authentic plaintiffs is even surprising, but I didn't follow it close enough. And you know, the legal things, as we know, are a little bit complicated. It's well above our pay grades. Well, um, sometimes also when a judge takes a case, they want to have, a precedent established here so get this case over with so other people don't yeah. start the same kind of lawsuit with other companies because as much so, as you could, so as much do. as you could complain about apple doing this you have to go back and say wait a minute what about all these other companies who sold hardware or had what software about, with drm what about microsoft what right. about you know all the other companies the thing is that the only reason for this was because real networks wanted to sell their own music and they wanted to sell their own music players. But what they ignored was that at the time of this, the, the amount of music sold through the iTunes store, the amount of music sold with DRM 
was tiny. Most people were just ripping CDs or getting things from Napster. They weren't buying a lot of music. The iTunes store didn't take off for many years after this. Um, so they really picked the wrong time to try and do something like this. Uh, and of course, as we know now, uh, you know, there's no DRM on music. Uh, pretty much, I don't think anyone sells music with DRM anymore. There is obviously DRM on music that you download, that you stream from something like Spotify or Beats Music or whatever. Um, What's funny about that when you raise the streaming services where there is DRM, it seems that the industry is moving towards that. People don't buy music as much anymore. They just want to play their Beats or their Spotify or their Pandora. But in that case, they don't care that there's DRM because it's an, it's an on-demand thing and it's not, you're not building up a music library. You're just listening to something for a while when you want to listen to it. So I think it's a different attitude. And if you have full control over what you listen to, maybe for many people it's easier. Why do I have to go, I'm going to look at where it is in my library, or maybe I'm going to reach for the physical CD or something like that. And now I just join the service. I've got millions of songs. I set my preferences, and I set it and forget it. And with real intelligent management there, like with Beats, where they curate with physical human beings, it may be a better way for a lot of people. Well, until you come back and you decide you want to listen to the last Taylor Swift album, um, and you find that while it was in your Spotify playlist, it's not there anymore. So this is one of the problems with streaming, is that at any time, things can be pulled. The jazz label ECM tried um, Spotify and other streaming services for a while and then pulled almost all of their music. Uh, there are still some, I don't think there are any major bands. Well, the Beatles aren't on any streaming service, I don't think. But other than that, I don't know that there are any major bands that are totally against streaming. But you won't find everything. I mean, I know a number of classical labels that don't license their music for streaming. So you've, you've got A, you won't find everything, and B, you may have something in your playlist, and then you wake up, and the next day it's gone. You know, I read a comment in an interview with Ringo Starr where he said he knew of one artist where they had like millions of downloads from one of these streaming services. I think he said Spotify. And the artist got $17 for that. Yeah. So the implication being that from the artist's standpoint, and not a millionaire artist like a Ringo Starr, but, you know, the normal workman musician who may have one or two hit records or something and isn't the tourist attraction that can go out on the road and make $150 million a year. They are working musicians. They get a couple of hit records and they get nothing or almost next to nothing for having millions of people hear their music on one of these services. Yeah, it's, it's hard to make money unless you're really an A-list musician. And Spotify keeps giving this sort of red herring that, well, if more people subscribe, then we'll be able to pay out more money. Um, I think the current percentage is 20%, and this isn't just Spotify, it's across the board for streaming services, not Pandora-type streaming radio things, but pure streaming. I think 20% of people are paid users, and 80% and are people who use ads-supported services, so they listen to ads. If this went up to 30%, Spotify says, well, we'll have 50% more money that we can give out. I'm not sure the math works out that well, but you can't deny that if instead of 20 million people paying for streaming services, there were 100 million, that that would make a very large difference in terms of the global pool of money that is going out to artists. But 
Of course, it would still be uh, an inverted pyramid with the A-list artists getting a huge amount of money and the indie artists not getting much. The indie artists will still have to use alternate services or provide special downloads or premiums from their own sites. Some way to build or, or live interest from touring. in Pardon? touring and live from touring and merchandise, which is basically um, how musicians have to do it these days. Um, you know, back in the day when I used to go to a lot of concerts when I was a teenager, bands would tour to promote albums. So they didn't expect to make a lot of money um, because the money was in the album sales. And that slowly shifted. They used their albums to promote their tour. We've got to end it right they, now. And I'm going to ask Kirk, where can we find more of your stuff? You can go to my website, Kirkville. That's www.mackelhern.com, M-C-E-L-H-E-A-R-N.com. And you can find me at Macworld, whereas Gene never ceases to remind you, I am the iTunes guy. Kirk McElhern, thank you for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Thanks, Gene, and a Merry Christmas to everyone. Not just an alternative to the mainstream media. We're the premier independent talk radio network. We are GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out A2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, they're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation you control what you watch when you watch it record your favorite shows pause and rewind live tv even skip the commercials watch local channels too at just $19.99 what are you waiting for pull out your major credit or debit card call 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV say goodbye to the cable guy cut costs and get more 1-855-905-MY-TV 1-855-905-MY-TV The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your 
body healing itself with the aid of HB Extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit HBExtract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to HBExtract.com. We all know that Berkey Water Purification Systems are the most trusted name in water filtration. As an authorized Berkey dealer for over six years and serving thousands of satisfied customers, the Berkey Guy offers amazing specials for Berkey Water Filtration Systems. The Berkey Light Systems include a set of self-sterilizing and recleanable black purification elements that purify water by removing chlorine, pathogenic bacteria, cysts and parasites to non-detectable levels and remove harmful chemicals such as herbicides and pesticides. Order the Berkey Light Systems system today complete with two black Berkey elements for only $231 and the Berkey guy will ship your order free of charge. With the purchase of a Berkey light, the Berkey guy is also offering a set of fluoride and arsenic filters for only $39.99. That's over 30% off the retail price. Call the Berkey guy at 1-877-886-3653. That's 1-877-886-3653 or order online at goberkey.com. That's goberkey.com today. What's going to happen next? You never know when you're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. In one of our final segments of the year, we're talking to Daniel Aaron Dilger. He writes for Apple Insider and on a rare occasion for Roughly Drafted Magazine. Now, one of the things Daniel does is confound the conventional wisdom or sometimes the shoddy reporting from other members of the media. And we all are pretty negative about the people who just don't get their facts right. It's not praising Apple or any other company. It is getting the facts correct. So there's a story that comes out, and we attribute this to IDC, and they do some funky things with figures. And here they're saying that Chromebooks, these very cheap notebook computers that use Google's Chrome OS system, which is like likely mostly a web browser, and that they'd overtaken Apple to be more popular than iPads in U.S. education. What's going on here? Well, it was kind of a combination between data published by IDC and a report made by Financial Times. And it's, it's an, it was an interesting thing for me to write about because it was a combination of two things. One was the way numbers were reported in a very sort of obscure context to suggest something. And then also the story that took that and turned it into, you know, made a complete jump to a conclusion that didn't make sense. It wasn't even true. Okay. This is from which publication? Financial Times, right? Right. All right. So let's talk about this. What was the overall claim? Let's kind of parse it and see where we're going with it. Well, the the data that they were basing the story on or or making a story out of was sort of an interesting um, change for Chromebooks, which have been out almost as long as the iPad. The idea of a Chromebook was introduced before the iPad. It was Google's take on the netbook. And when the iPad came out, it, it sort of blunted that. And Chromebooks have really never taken off. They haven't really found a market. They've particularly not found a market in the most sensible place for them to be, which is in the enterprise. And 
in the last two quarters, IDC is reporting that there's been a huge influx of Chromebooks going into schools in, in the U.S. And if you look at the data that they're reporting, it shows that Google and its partners are heavily discounting, primarily Samsung, are heavily discounting uh, Chromebooks and pushing them into schools. And it's having actually no impact, if you look at the numbers, on iPads. Because largely they're going to schools that, that are not buying anything because they can't afford it and giving them netbooks at a low price, which in itself is an interesting story. It's like, oh, great, you know, Google is and their partners are working to push Chromebooks into education to see if they can find some sort of traction. This is the first year that this has really happened. It hasn't really been an important shift. It hasn't really been an important volume in the last, up until now. And if iPads had suddenly gone down to accommodate this huge shift of Chromebooks coming in, that would be interesting. That would be another story of how Google is competing with Apple by dumping products into the market. But none of those things are the case based on the numbers that they're reporting on. If you look at the numbers they're reporting, the headline that the, the Financial Times crafted that Google was ahead of Apple, so the numbers that the, the headline that they're coming up with was that Google was overtaking Apple, which in itself is not correct because the article actually said it's not that Google is ahead of Apple. It's that if you only look at Chromebooks, IDC is saying that Google shipped more Chromebooks in the quarter after the Apple's peak back to season quarter. So Apple's non-peak quarter, there were there was a margin of like thirteen thousand Chromebooks more that IDC reported Google's partners collectively selling in this qu- quarter after the iPad. Let me understand this now. This was during one quarter. The total number of Chromebooks sold in the educational market. This is the U.S., right? Yes, in the third quarter. And the third quarter was something like 12,000 units more than Apple sold to the educational market in that quarter. If you only look at iPads, yes. If, if you, you look, look at, at computers, iPads. If you look at Apple's computers, if you put together the things Apple is selling compared to what uh, Google is offering, it's not Google selling it itself, you get the slight margin if you, if you don't count Macs. So they're comparing Google's netbook against iPads and they're leaving out Macs, and they're leaving out Android, which you think Android should be significant too. But actually, the more interesting story, I thought, was that Android has almost no penetration in the schools, and Chromebooks have only had any penetration in the last two quarters. And they've only exceeded iPads in the quarter after where Apple sells the majority of its iPads to schools. Second quarter is Apple's back-to-school season for schools because they buy things in advance. And you can see that from IDC's numbers. So just looking at the numbers, you see, well, there's a lot of interesting stuff here. But what they're reporting is the most tortured conclusion possible to create a sensational uh, effect and headline. And sure enough, they got a lot of play for it because of that. So what I was criticizing was not necessarily that, you know, nobody should consider Chromebooks or that um, Google is a bad company for trying to sell, you know, not sell them, but, you know, give them away for free to make a, get some kind of traction in some industry. But the fact that they're reporting that Google is, you know, beating Apple in, in at least some category, it's like, well, actually, that's not even true. First of all, nobody is making money on Chromebooks. So you can ship a bunch of products into the channel on one quarter. The question is, how sustainable is that? How, how long are you going to be able to convince PC makers to make netbooks basically a a very low power pc that runs 
Linux plus the Chrome browser, a web browser, how long is that going to be a product? Well, the thing I want to clarify here is the Chromebook is not a tablet. So you can't compare it with a tablet. You have to compare it with something in its category. It's, you say it's a netbook. It's a small personal computer, a small notebook. So well, logically speaking, the comparison and the competition is a Mac. Well, it's a little bit of a stretch comparison, but you know it would be fair to compare them if they were uh, actually competing against each other. So if Google were going into contracts and, and, and convincing schools that it was much better to buy a netbook than a, than a tablet, that would be a story. You know, that would be something. But that's not really what's being presented here. We don't see any evidence of that. What they're showing is that Google can give away products, which a little bit seems a little bit weird. But how long is that going to continue? I mean, look how long all these companies that have been giving away products in competition with Apple, how long have they stayed in business? There's a whole list of companies that have gone out of business because they were given away products that that's not really a sustainable business. And Google right now is sitting on a bunch of money and a bunch of income from web ads from conventional browsers. They're not making that they're not making hardly any money from mobile. That's kind of important. And you have other companies, Intel is facing the same problem. They've made so much money selling really high-priced processors for the PC industry and keeping out any sort of uh, alternatives that could be sold for cheaper. But what happens when the move to mobile has very clearly happened? And it's, it's clearly happening, and people are moving to a mobile world where Intel's chips don't matter, and Windows increasingly doesn't matter. And the question is, is it going to all be Android? Because if you look at the education market that they were promoting in this article, Android has almost no penetration in, in schools. It was something like 2% compared to 30% for her uh, Apple's combined OS X, Macs, and iOS devices. And Chrome in one quarter reached 27%. So if you add together Chrome and Android, it's less than what Apple's selling itself. And that's two different platforms of stuff that Google doesn't make money on. They don't, they don't get money from licensing either one. They pay service and support contracts. But I mean, everything about the article was just this series of falseness. First of all, saying that Google was ahead of Apple in general terms, and then saying why was because Google was so much cheaper. And if you look at the numbers that they were showing, they, they had a quote, I thought it was interesting that they had a quote saying, Chromebook started $199 and you know, last year's Air cost more than that. Well, of course, we have the MacBook. Uh, let me say, and of course, we have the iPad Mini, which starts now two hundred forty nine dollars. It's hardly a difference. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger, and we've got a lot more to talk about. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. From the shackles of corporate America, we're the place for independent thinkers. GCN. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also print catalogs. Convert from so many 
formats I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E Soft.com. The knowledge of the ancients. Tried and true trusted herbs and extracts fused with the latest nutraceutical science. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend. Crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. For the last two years, our team has been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to develop the ultimate nutraceutical formulation. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit ancientdefense.com or call 888-253-3139. That's ancientdefense.com. Hi, this is Steve Sanchez, and based on a recent study, it was found that 57 million Americans had legal issues over the last 12 months, but only 60% of those studied sought out the services of a lawyer. Why? In a nutshell, affordability. While my friends at Legal Shield have created a solution that can help you not if, but when you need an attorney. For as little as $17 per month, Legal Shield will provide you unlimited access to qualified attorneys at an accomplished law firm for advice and counsel on legal issues no matter how serious or trivial. For over 40 years and with 1.4 million families across North America, Legal Shield can help you, the loyal GCN listener. Representatives are standing by now to answer your questions, so call them now at 1-855-340-SAVE. That's 1-855-340-7283 or visit them at lsprotection.com. That's lsprotection.com. Results will vary from case to case. Time waits for no one. That's why you should hurry to not miss the Freeze Dry Guy's end of year case lot sale. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866-404-3663 to receive 20 to 25% off Mountain House freeze-dried foods. Mountain House, the gold standard in long-term storage products, include real freeze-dried meats, entrees, eggs, fruits, and vegetables. Yes, 20 to 25% off now. Also receive 30% off other selected Mountain House foods and receive 30% off selected Packaway brand dehydrated foods. Just call 866-404-3663 and ask for the freeze-dry guy. Plus, long-range patrol ration eggs and ham at superb discounts. But these are extremely hard to find and nearly gone, so call today. Ask about our LRP ice cream bars, too. Some items limited to stock on hand. And remember, the freeze-dry guy pays for shipping to your door within the lower 48 states. Order now. Don't miss out on the freeze-dry guy's end-of-year case lot sale. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Daniel Aaron Dilger. I'm Gene Steinberg. We're in together collectively the Tech Night Isle live. We 
are now being heard in radio stations in the Boston area and in New York City. WVNJ in New York City is carrying the Tech Night Out Live. How about that? So we're being heard everywhere, worldwide, and all that stuff. By the way, I want to remind you we have that premium package, Tech Night Out Plus. If you join, you pay a modest monthly or annual subscription fee, and you get the ad-free version, the high-resolution version of the Tech Night Out Live. Go to plus.technightowl.com, P-L-U-S dot So Daniel Aaron Dilger was talking first, and he has a long list of things to discuss, the clearly misleading claim that Google Chromebooks had overtaken Apple and the U.S. education market. Why this is such a big issue is because Apple has always made education very important. Now let's look at another aspect of this. It's based on figures from IDC. Now IDC is part of the international data group that also publishes Macworld, which recently, of course, gave up the print edition. Now it's only online. Now, the thing that always worries me here is that in some recent quarters, Daniel, they've been reporting U.S. sales of Macs ahead of Apple's financials, and they always undercount Mac sales. How does that happen? I'm not sure how it happens. They, apparently, they're, they're just coming up with numbers that are <laughs> lower by about 10% in the last two quarters. And what's interesting is, is they make they rely on Apple so much to create headlines. So they'll report a series of numbers. They'll make headline-forming conclusions from those numbers. Usually last in the last quarter, last couple quarters, it was that Apple was slipping in market share and or that uh, for the first time ever reached into the top five. And if you look at the numbers from last year, once they publish the numbers and making you know, conclusion and write a press release and everybody covers it as if it's news. The next year, they report another set of numbers for the previous year to compare again. And those numbers keep changing. So you can look at it as like, oh, they're getting more and more accurate information as they go along, but they're retroactively changing their previous numbers so that the entire market keeps shrinking and then growing again and then shrinking and then growing again. And meanwhile, Apple's numbers are shrinking and then they're restated as, as their correct number, which is bigger. So you're, they're constantly comparing this artificially low number for Max against this artificially inflated number for everything else. And they do the same thing with another, they do with the iPad too. Why would IDC do this? Don't they have supposedly a reputation as providing accurate analytical information? Well, the, the least cynical answer you could give is that it's hard to add up some of these numbers. For, you know, certainly the numbers that they get from other vendors, other major vendors like Samsung and um, Motorola, th- th- those companies don't even report how many individual things they ship. So IDC has to estimate those things. So, for example, all the vendors, when you're talking about Chromebooks, all the vendors making Chromebooks, none of them report how many actual netbooks they sell. And they don't really split down, split up how much of those were PC, you know, Windows based and how much of them ran something like Chrome. And that's, that leads three of the major companies that I got numbers from, from from last year for Chromebooks that were differed by an enormous amount. Like they were, they were guessing from 2.1 million to 2.9 million. And that's a big difference. That's 800,000 units. So they're off by something like a third. And, and yet the, this company is now turning, you know, IDC, the, the journalists that take those numbers from IDC and said, wait, 13,000 devices is a headline. But the fact that 
these various companies have numbers that are off by hundreds of thousands of units doesn't tell us anything about how accurate these numbers actually are. So it's kind of bewildering that, that none of these facts were presented in the article because the article wasn't about, hey, what's happening in the, in the industry? What's happening in education? Is there, is there a new trend happening? Is there an emerging change? What are the facts? No, it's all about let's create a clickbait headline that isn't actually even true. We'll admit that it isn't true in the article. And then we'll fail to present any of this other information that's far more interesting than the clickbait headline that we're creating. Well, we look at this here and we find that anytime you have Apple in the headline, even if it mostly has nothing to do with Apple, you throw Apple into the comparison, I guess the hit count goes up. It does. And that's the reason. I know one of our colleagues, uh, the person who calls himself Macalope, is talking about this all the time. You throw Apple in there, and it's the same thing. You know what's also very interesting here is that some members of the media repeat the same unproven stuff, and they don't get called on it except for very few people. Let me give you another example. So we know Apple had this flawed 8.0.1 update for iOS. And it was out for maybe an hour and 15 minutes. And if you downloaded that update on your iPhone 6 or 6 Plus, it loses a carrier connection, and there was a problem with Touch ID. Now, according to Apple, this had something to do with the packaging of that update. So something went wrong, I guess, in the installation process that caused this. Whatever it is, Apple withdrew it, came out with the correct version the next day. And I'm listing, I'm seeing a list of like the 10 worst Windows updates for 2014. And they've got stuff there that throws your system into restart loops, constant reboots, all sorts of horrendous stuff. And that's okay, that's normal. But if Apple does one thing wrong, my heavens, it's the end of the world. Well, the the 8.01, whichever one it was that caused the problems, that was an embarrassing mistake. And it was it was a very poorly timed mistake to make because they had just released the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus. It was a phenomenally huge thing going on. People, were, people are still apparently in lines waiting for that phone. And the first release they come out with breaks every phone that it gets put on. So that really, Every iPhone we, 6, not every, the phone. Yeah, every, every new phone. Yeah. Right. So, I mean... And it affected 40,000 people before they shut it off. So on the scale of things, it was actually a very minor thing. But it did impact people. And it was, it was sort of the kind of mistake that you think, well, you shouldn't have made that mistake. You, know, you should have tested it to make sure that your update works before you blow it open. So it is, I think there's, there's something newsworthy about that. But if you look at these year in, year in retrospect articles that people are writing and you know, the top 10 boondoggles of the year. And one of them is this update that Apple pulled. When you start doing that, then you realize, yes, the media has no sense of reality and what they respond. And these things that happen, you know, things like the, the fact that a variety of people have had their iCloud accounts hacked because they were using bad passwords. That's what it is. If you set up a, an, an account and somebody's trying to get your stuff and you don't have it secured well enough, Yes, it's possible for people to get your password and then they can have access to your email. And Apple's worked to, to put up security barriers 
that make it so that people can't log in from another device without you being notified. That's a good idea. I've noticed that because I've been reviewing some gear that Apple sent, an iPad Air 2 and the iMac 5K, the Retina iMac. And I noticed that when setting up these devices to integrate with my current setup, I get these notices immediately on my prime Apple ID email address to know what's going on. Yeah, and that's a new wrinkle, and that's, it's great that they're responding to these kind of issues. But um, the media has taken that issue and blown it into a thing where Apple doesn't have security. And Google has really worked hard to push that idea that they have better security. And you have their chairman standing up saying Apple or, or Google has better security than Apple. And it's like, well, maybe if you're talking about some of your cloud services that don't really compare to things that Apple offers, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of smart people at Google working on security. But if you look at Android and you look at the way people actually work, the people are being taken advantage of and the people that are being spied upon, it's, it's extremely easy to go and get software to spy on somebody with an Android phone. And it's very easy to install it on their phone because there's, there's very little security. Google made th- their whole thing is about making things effortless as possible, frictionless as possible, so that people can throw out stuff and Google can start making money on it, putting ads on it. They really don't have the intention to build high-quality products. That's why Android products are just not that good because there's no financial motivation to. Google's not selling them. And Google's gone back and forth trying to sell them. They've tried to sell cheap hardware. They failed. They're trying now to sell more expensive hardware, and they're finding it hard to make nice hardware. And these more expensive Nexus devices that are just coming out are quite a bit more expensive than the previous generation, and they're just not that much nicer. There's just a cheapy build that even you know Android people don't like them. We've got Daniel Aaron Dilger. He writes for Apple Insider at AppleInsider.com, also for Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Wishing you the brightest of Christmas seasons and best wishes for the new year from the Genesis Communications Network, GCN. Hi, I'm Sam Nussbaum, WellPoint's Chief Medical Officer. We proudly support the March of Dimes mission to improve the health of babies and fight premature birth. We're helping the March of Dimes fund breakthroughs in research and community programs that help more moms have full-term pregnancies and healthy babies. Join us in working together to provide children with a healthier start in life. Visit marchofdimes.org. We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, then carting to a private bank, having it lent back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237.
up the receiver. With your heart racing and sweat dripping from your forehead, you finally muster the courage to dial the number to call into your favorite talk radio show. It rings once, twice, and then... Hello, it's GCN. What's your name and the state you're calling from? Surprised you got through, you squeak out. Jason from Minnesota. Please hold. As you patiently wait for your turn, you begin to daydream about being a famous talk radio host and what it would be like to have your own show. Jason from Minnesota, you're up. Millions of loyal listeners worldwide waiting to call and talk to you. Caller, are you there? Cheering crowds surround you, calling out your name. Jason! Jason! Going once, twice. Okay, we gotta move on to the next caller. You blew it. Huh? Wait, no! Interact with the hosts you're listening to right now online at GCNlive.com. Click on the community link. Engage with other listeners. Ask questions. Start debates. Don't agree with a host? Let them know. Be a part of the community at GCNlive.com. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. When we join Daniel Aaron Dilger of Apple Insider, you always know he's going to do a very big reality check and fix up the conventional wisdom. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. Let's continue with the discussions the last time you and I will get together for this year. And that is, do you remember when Apple came out with 64-bit on the A7? Now they're up to the A8 and the A8X on the iPad Air 2. That's a tongue twister. And other companies say, oh, it doesn't matter. It's not necessary. At the same time, they decided it was necessary. But what's going on with that? I gather they're not having an easy time to produce 64-bit working smartphones and tablets for the rest of the world, other than Apple. Well, yeah, 64-bit in itself is not necessarily important. But if you look at the advantages that Apple has with going with ARM V8 as a being able to move to a new architecture, that was important. And they're rapidly moving their ecosystem to that, too. They made it very easy for developers to update their apps. And they rapidly updated their own stuff. So if you compare this to the last time Apple went 64-bit, both with Intel and, and originally with PowerPC, Apple's getting better and better at this. This was a, a virtually flawless upgrade. And they made it look so easy that everybody else was like, oh, yeah, of course, well, Android's going to get this real soon now. And all of last year, all of this year, we've heard Samsung talking about trying to do it. And the closest they got so far is the Galaxy, what, what is it, Note 4, has a chip that has cores in it that are like 64-bit. I mean, that they're, they're of the same architecture, the generic ARM 64-bit core architecture. However, it's built on top of a hardware extraction layer that makes them 32-bit. So they didn't quite get there. And they're waiting for Qualcomm to develop its own version of this generic 64-bit for next phones next spring. And at some point, they're both Qualcomm and Samsung are also trying to build their own sort of original custom 64-bit I hear you. So it's proving to be hard, proving to be harder. And it, it's quite amazing that Apple got into the chip development business starting largely in 2010. The company they bought, one of the companies they bought, 
to design their chips, PA Semi, had been around for a while. So you had people who were experienced at chip design. Yes, but putting together a team is not easy. And that's a lot of these companies have been putting together teams. There's been a lot of companies that are working to build something, and it's, it's difficult work. It's, it's difficult to put together a team. It's difficult to come up with the right design. Remember in the past of, of micro, microprocessor design, and Intel has tried a couple times to come up with something new. And for the, you know, the, the company that basically monopolizes everything going on in the PC industry to be unable to do what it wants to do, to be able to convince the market to buy whatever product it's putting out, that shows how difficult it is. And Apple's not in a position where they can call the shots for the rest of the industry. They can only call it for themselves. And what we're seeing is that it's very powerful for Apple to be in a position to where it can make arbitrary changes. And it's been doing this for a very long time from, you know, just saying USB is going to be the only port on the iMac. That was, what, 15 years ago? Well, it did have Ethernet. It wasn't just USB. No, but I mean for peripherals. There was no no serial ports or anything. And it was like, we're just going to decisively move to USB. And that's something the rest of the industry, they had USB ports on PCs, but nobody used them. For a couple of years, that was Intel's design, too. I mean, that was one of their initiatives, and they just couldn't get it to work. And then Apple was like, boom, we're going to make it work among iPad users or iMac users. And there's been a series of times where Apple has decisively made changes and really changed the industry really quickly, and everybody else has scrambled to catch up. And this idea of making your own processor, it's kind of a, there's, there's a, a short list of, firms that make their own chips and if you look at samsung which makes more devices than apple their attempts to make their own arm chips has been fraught with problems last year the the galaxy s4 had a chip that had serious problems in it just designed wrong it's hard to do it's it's a big huge project and so for apple to do that and at while at the same time making products that people desperately want will wait in line for because they want the, the latest thing apple makes there's a tremendous risk in using things that are brand new and have never been done before. So the fact that Apple's both in the leading edge and in this having such a huge volume of people with pretty high standards, that's pretty impressive what they're pulling off on a consistent basis. Well, the other thing here is the iOS and the way the design works. In theory, Apple's chips don't have anywhere near the power of those other chips that Clock speed is much less. They have two cores, not four, at least for the core processor. Apple puts in less onboard memory. But still, you take an iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus, it's in the top tier of performance against stuff that in theory should be a lot more powerful. Well, um, it's hard to directly compare things like clock speed, but uh, some some of those aspects are actual design advantages. So when you talk about four core and eight core chips that they're, they're talking about, the number of cores is not necessarily better. It's kind of like cylinders in an engine. You know, in, in general, the more cores you have, and the more cylinders you have, and the bigger they are, the better it is. But you reach a point of diminishing returns where the more cylinders you have, you have more, you have other problems. And in, in computing, if you have multiple cores, you can take multiple tasks and spin them off to different cores. But that requires sophistication in the operating system and, and development tools to allow you to efficiently do that to where you're actually using all those cores. And the eight cores that Amazon likes to talk about are really, there's 
four cores for regular cores, and there's four very small cores that are designed to be used when the system doesn't need to run very fast. And so it's not really eight cores. It's four at a time. And even if you could turn them all on at the same time, it's like four of them are baby cores that are not really that useful. So a lot of it's turning into kind of marketing hand-waving that doesn't really make sense. And Apple's design for cores is also what, what exactly is the core trying to do? And in a lot of tasks, you're not able to, to set up multi-core tasking. So having fewer cores is sometimes better if your fewer cores are more powerful. So there's a lot of design decisions being made by Apple not to not to create sort of spec metrics, but to actually be better. And Apple can do that because it, it's its own customer. So instead of making a chip and trying to sell it to other companies, say, hey, this is good because it has this many cores, they're making the best chip that's the right thing for an iOS device. Apple is developing the chip that works best for their equipment. They don't care about anybody else. That's the point. This is strictly a proprietary processor that Apple is using. It's not the same thing as with Macs. They buy off-the-shelf Intel hardware. And some people are wondering here, maybe you could address it. Is there a point in time where Apple thinks that they could make the ARM processor family powerful enough to drive Macs? And if they went that way, how would they deal with standard Intel emulation? That's always a big issue. Uh, well, there's a couple issues involved. Um, ARM chips are not in the same class currently as Intel chips. And in iOS devices, they don't need to be. Intel's chips, even their mobile chips, are not very good in mobile devices because they're designed to be run really fast and get things done really quickly. And if you have a large battery, that's a good thing. But if you have a mobile device that you want to be thin and light, that's not the right approach to take. In mobile devices, it's more important to have uh, a chip that puts a priority on low power while at the same time being able to do impressive tasks. Speaking of impressive tasks, we've got a lot more to cover on the show. And if you tuned in late, by the way, we earlier were visited by Kirk McElhern, Macworld's iTunes guy. We've got more to come now with Daniel Aaron Dilger. He writes for AppleInsider.com. And on a rare occasion for Roughly Drafted Magazine, I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. First came Attack of the Rockoids, and it was a critically acclaimed success. And now there's the coming of the Protectors. A former military intelligence man is contacted by a space woman in a dream. A dream that turns out to be a nightmare, because evil forces on our distant planet are planning to conquer the Earth. This is gripping science fiction of the classic kind. Attack of the Rockoids and the coming of the Protectors. Find out more at Rockoids.com. That's Rockoids, R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S, dot com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It took hours before it returned, but I had already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Talk to a sales rep at iWeb.com. Use the promo code TECHNIGHTOWL for a special discount. Making 
Making the right decisions is a challenge to investors. Are we going to see economic growth, slide into a recession, or at worst, depression? Hi, Ted Anderson from Midas Resources. We all know when a company acts irresponsibly, divesting ourselves in a move towards safety is prudent. When the market becomes volatile, U.S. Treasuries are a safe haven. But what do you do when the U.S. government overextends itself and spends beyond its means? Many investors are turning toward gold as a common-sense alternative to traditional paper investments. Midas Resources has put together a powerful book titled 10 Reasons to Own Gold, discussing costs, benefits, risks, featuring full-color illustrations, weights, and measures. The book is free and can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. Paper investments are dwarfed by gold's 6,000-year history. Discover how gold may be right for you and your IRA by calling 800-686-2237. Whether buying or it's time for you to sell, the book is free. Call 800-686-2237. What good is a Big Berkey water filter? We get that question a lot here at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. And in a word, the answer is protection. Protection from water main breaks, E. coli contamination, environmental chemical spills, pesticide runoff, chlorine taste and smell, and all forms of fluoride. Plus, Big Berkey water filters are the original gravity water filter system and most trusted on the market for a reason. Tested by multiple independent NSF EPA certified labs, they are the gold standard in water purification. At only 1.7 cents a gallon, a single set of filters can last for 5 to 10 years. That means big savings. Big Berkey, the one that's powerful enough to purify stagnant pond water. Get a Big Berkey today at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit our website or call 1-877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-BERKEY. Big Berkey Water Filters, for the love of clean water. The human body is extraordinary. Despite all the stresses we inflict upon it, it still works hard to stay in balance. Thousands upon thousands of people rely upon heart and body extract to help their body stay balanced. This excellent 100% natural herbal formula helps maintain healthy blood pressure levels, cleans arteries, promotes good circulation, balances cholesterol, and more. HB extract paired with healthy lifestyle choices like good nutrition and exercise can give you a life free of pain, sickness, and fear. Recapture your youthful vitality and experience your body healing itself with the aid of HB extract. It's extremely effective and it starts working in just days. Visit hbextract.com to learn more and to read scores of testimonials from satisfied customers. And we've never increased our price in over 10 years. That makes heart and body extract as great a value now as it was the first day we sold it. A healthy heart is a happy heart. Call 866-295-5305 or go to hbextract.com. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. We have just three sessions left for Daniel Aaron Dilger's visit this time on the Tech Night Out Live. So let's just move to some other topics here. There's a story that came up earlier this month at Apple Insider about this Android fan site, Android Police, recommending the top tablet. Guess what the top tablet was? Tell us, Daniel. 
Uh, it was the iPad Air 2. An Android fan site. Can you dig it? You know, it's like someone who's a Windows fan loving Macs, which happens on occasion. Yeah, if you, if you talk to people who like Android, and there are, there are you know, reasons to like Android in terms of what you want to be able to do. There's certain things that Apple doesn't let you do. But overall, what Android does is it, it promises a lot of things that doesn't quite deliver. So if you are a hacker and want to play with things, there's, there's things that may appeal to you. But for a large part of the audience, Android is perceived as being something that's difficult to use and adds a lot of complication that, that harms products. So with phones, there's a lot of people that have grown to deal with that. And they like the trade-offs for what an Android phone gives them. But in tablets, that's less the case. It's, it's harder to find Android fans that really like any of the tablets that, that Android licensees are building, largely because the initial response to the iPad that Android licensees came up with was, well, the, the initial, the first one was kind of expensive tablets, which bombed the, the honeycomb generation of tablets that kind of tried to debut in 2011. And it turned out nobody wanted a thing like that. So then Android makers started focusing on cheaper tablets, starting with small tablets that were seven inches. They were kind of like an oversized phone. And the problem is they're not really big enough to do something different than a smartphone. It's like a big smartphone. So as phones get bigger, the idea of why would you want a a tablet is basically an oversized phone that doesn't work as a phone. What is the point? And now tablets went from being super cheap, let's just dump a bunch out there, to where if you look at Google's latest Nexus, the Nexus 9, it looks exactly, well, it's, it's the same format as an iPad. It's the same screen resolution, same size, same screen ratio. So it abandons the sort of widescreen sort of surface type device form factor. And the problem there is that the build quality on it is not very good. It's being built by, I believe it's HTC, which hasn't been in the tablet game for a while. So they're coming back and kind of throwing out a tablet. It's just not very good. The other tablet that's sort of high-end is the Shield tablets made by NVIDIA, basically to try to get someone using their tablet chip with their own graphics engine. It was positioned as being a video game-oriented device. And the range of tablets that are available are not very good. On the low end, you have a bunch of stuff that's like 50 bucks or 100 bucks, and it's just a really bad experience. And on the higher end, you have devices that are trying to be an iPad, but they don't really have any iPad apps. So you can run stretched smart, smartphone-type apps on them. You can browse the web, but that's about it. So your, your options are basically buy a, a super cheap, junky tablet or to buy a tablet that's basically like an iPad that doesn't run iPad apps. So there's a lot of, obviously, the, that's why Apple keeps selling more iPads than any other Android licensee which is not the case. You know, if you compare it to smartphones, there's a lot of companies that make more, more smartphones, quotation marks, than Apple does. But that's not the case with tablets. The rest, of the, the rest of the world is struggling to make tablets that anybody will buy. There's a lot said of the fact that Apple sold slightly fewer tablets, this iPads, this year than last year, but they still sold more tablets than anybody else. They sold like 70 million. And the majority of vendors that IDC is racking up and, you know, counting is credible competition for the iPad, they're making batches that are less than a million. So that's that kind of sets up the story of why Android police, who write about all things Android, when they write a, a, a series of things that this is the holiday gift guide, they 
pick the iPad as being the best, the best tablet, even though it doesn't run Android. Well, there you go. Now, the thing that uh, I know has upset you and upsets me when Gartner and IDC do their surveys of tablet sales, they look at the $50 toy tablet that you buy at Walmart under some unknown name, that kind of tablet, the junk, the piece of low-cost junk, and they put it in the same box as an iPad. So how does one get around that, or is just that the way it has to be? Well, I mean, that's done for a reason, and it's kind of done for the same reason that it was done with PCs. It was sort of marginalizing competition to the major platforms because, I mean, their clients are these companies that are building devices in competition with Apple. And it's also sort of a more, it sounds like kind of an underdog argument to suggest that Android is winning when there's lots of companies that are shipping devices with Android or some form of Android software on them. So, I mean, it kind of fits in with what they're trying to say. So they keep saying that. But yeah, it is. If you're really trying to see what's happening in the, the specifically in, in tablets or just kind of broader in, in terms of mobile devices of any kind where you're throwing in things like netbooks and kind of hybrid devices. Or if you're looking at the whole PC market in general, if you look at, there's some overt competition. So when people are looking at a computer, I've talked to a lot of people and they're talking about how once they buy an iPad, they don't need a computer. And that's not true for me. I mean, I'm, I'm used to working on a computer. And there's things that I can do if I'm sitting in a MacBook that I can't do from an iPad. But for a lot of people, they don't need to do any of those things. They don't care about it. And it's easier conceptually to work on an iPad because they know what's happening and they know that they don't have to deal with a bunch of complication and configuration and problems that are on a conventional PC of any kind. My wife is an example of somebody who really never gravitated to a personal computer. We've had Macs in the home since the 1980s. And she hasn't done it. I mean, she knows how to get on there and check out email and stuff. But she wasn't comfortable. We put an iPad in here a couple of years back. And you can't get her away from it. It's with her. It's her constant companion. Her sister is recently widowed. So she came over there to her home to comfort her. But she doesn't leave home without the iPad. Yeah, for a lot of people, it's, it's just a much more accessible tool for computing. That's another kind of example of Apple seeing like, what's not necessary and stripping things down to their core form and being able to effectively sell that is, is something because really when you look at it, an iPad is a low powered computer, but if you build on its strengths and you take what it can do and work around the things that it can't do, you can deliver a product that's far more accessible to a lot of people. And if you look at what Google's doing and what other people in the tablet market are doing, like, like Microsoft, they're, trying to take all this PC complexity and shove it back in the tablet. And they're producing products that people do not like. They're not going out of their way to buy Android tablets and the Surface and these other products because those companies don't get it. They don't get why Apple shifted, you know, created this new product category. And also at the same time, there's all these stories about how iPads aren't selling more than they were last year. It's like, well, iPads aren't the only device Apple sells. I mean, Apple's selling conventional computers and they're selling iPads. And then below that, they're selling handheld devices, phones. So the fact that some people are going to buy an iPad and some people are going to want to buy a MacBook, that's a, a barrier that, that's going to change. There's going to be some liquidity between that, that demand of those two things. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. 
We are the premier independent talk radio network. The Genesis Communications Network. G-C-N. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that too in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. Time waits for no one. That's why you should hurry to not miss the Freeze Dry Guy's end of year case lot sale. Go to freezedryguy.com or call 866 404 3663 to receive 20 to 25% off Mountain House freeze dried foods. Mountain House, the gold standard in long term storage products, include real freeze dried meats, entrees, eggs, fruits, and vegetables. Yes, 20 to 25% off now. Also, receive 30% off other selected Mountain House foods and receive 30% off selected Packaway brand dehydrated foods. Just call 866-404-3663 and ask for the freeze-dry guy. Plus, long-range patrol ration eggs and ham at superb discounts. But these are extremely hard to find and nearly gone, so call today. Ask about our LRP ice cream bars, too. Some items limited to stock on hand. And remember, the freeze-dry guy pays for shipping to your door within the lower 48 states. Order now. Don't miss out on the freeze-dry guy's end-of-year case lot sale. Call 866-404-3663 or visit freezedryguy.com. Hi, this is Sophie Winnick, longtime distributor and user of Longevity products. In the last few years, my family went through a crisis. Everything else in my life, including my business, had to be put on the back burner. Thankfully, life is getting back to normal now. But the one thing I never had to worry about was my business and my monthly commission. I've been a distributor for Longevity for over 17 years, since before it was Longevity. And I've got to say, the most amazing thing about this company is the people. While my family was in crisis, other distributors stepped in and helped my customers Customers, simply because that's what longevity people do, even for people they don't know. For me, it has never been about getting rich. It was about a product I could stand behind, a company I could count on, and a monthly commission check that has never not once been late in 17 years. Longevity is truly a business for everyone, even people who have too much to do. I'm Sophie Winnick. I'm just like you. I have a real life, real ups and downs, but I know I will always have longevity. The Genesis Communications Network is one of America's premier broadcasters of captivating talk radio. We thank you for listening. Now, Now, just imagine there are thousands of people who are just as passionate about radio as you are. But what you may not realize is how easy and affordable it is to advertise with us. Radio commercials for your business could be heard on hundreds of radio stations across the U.S. every day. We can help you by creating an effective radio advertising campaign for your company. From script writing to producing your commercials, 
commercial. Just like the one you're listening to right now. No other network provides the level of customer service we do. When it comes to radio advertising, we are your one-stop shop. And no matter how big or small your business is, we can help. Email us and advertise at GCNlive.com. And an experienced advertising executive will help you take the first step towards driving more customers to your business or website. Advertise at GCNlive.com. Easy, affordable, effective. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. This is the Tech Night Owl Live. I'm Gene Steinberg, and we've got a lot to cover here. And among the things that we're going to cover, of course, are the way people are using their iPads and their Macs and the labor, as they say, dealing with the labor and how to divide it. So that would be pretty interesting. That would be pretty interesting. We're going to have to see how that works. In any case, let's go to some other subjects here before we let him go. Now, we had in the past couple of weeks this trial that doesn't make very much sense to me, this trial with regard to the iPod. So. What's going on here? That's been going on for almost a decade, I believe. So it was, it was some attorneys who decided, hey, we can, we can create a class action suit and sue Apple over... And what they're suing is kind of changing. But they're, they're trying to suggest that Apple made money so that you know, we should get some of it, is basically their legal premise. And they've been pushing this for a very long time. And if it finally got to the point where it's going to trial, and I don't understand how it got to this point, but... Um, the, the people who are supposedly suing, that these attorneys are supposedly suing on, on their behalf, uh, didn't even have an iPad or iPod during the period of time when they're saying that they were harmed. Now, the point to understand here is this trial took about two weeks, and the jury made its determination in three hours? Well, it was a pretty silly case. I mean, what they were trying to argue were things like that Apple should have allowed someone's it was, it was really frustrating to me to read this stuff and be like, oh, really, are you reporting things that you just <laughs> didn't ever think about before? The headline that got the most play that I saw was saying that Apple deleted songs on people's computers, you know, like Apple was preventing people from having access to this marketplace. And it's like, that's not even true. I mean, does, it, does no one even remember this? It was like Real was trying to push their own DRM and they wanted to establish their own DRM so that Apple would basically be on the hook for supporting the product that they were selling in competition with Apple. It's like adding your competition to your own product. But the other question is here, why didn't people ask, and it's moot now because the trial's over, but before the trial started, we understand the iPod was number one, but if you're going to treat everyone equally, Microsoft had an ecosystem called Place for Sure. They had the Zoom music player. And they had comparable restrictions on that DRM, but nobody went after Microsoft. It was all Apple, I guess, because Apple sold more units, but still there's a hypocrisy there. Yeah, it's all about the money. It's hypocrisy. If there's going to be an offense, an antitrust offense, because of the fact that people are enforcing this DRM, or did, at least for music, they still do for movies and TV shows, 
You have to go after every offender, not just one. But it wasn't, they weren't complaining about Apple's DRM. They were complaining that their complaints kind of shifted during the trial. But they were saying that, first of all, Apple wasn't allowing like an alternative to iTunes, that you couldn't use your iPod with another device. And secondly, they kind of shifted it to be when Real came out with their own tortured version of Fairplay. Basically, they emulated Fairplay enough to where their DRM songs could work on the iPods for a minute. Don't they call that jailbreaking? Well, it's comparable to that. But it would have created a situation if Apple would have allowed it. The reason why Apple moved really quickly to stop that is because if people started buying this music and with the assurance that it would work on iPods, then it would become a problem. Because then they would have to make sure that not only were they keeping it functional, but also it would give them much less leverage to go to the record labels and say, we don't need fair play on this. You should be able to sell music DRM-free because you're also selling music on CDs that's DRM-free. There is no DRM. There's DRM on movies because you couldn't, you couldn't get movies in a form like CD where you could just rip it off. So the, the music companies were already selling music DRM-free and they were forcing Apple to put DRM on the iPod because they were paranoid that, that file sharing would destroy any market. And Apple created a market and then they weaned that market off of DRM. And that's what they wanted to do because Apple doesn't want to have... When Apple was selling music on DRM, they were also on the hook for making sure that DRM wasn't cracked. Because anytime somebody cracked Fairplay, Apple would have to go back and they were on the hook to, to pay the, the record companies back and other damages, in addition to the fact that they, the market would fall apart. So the problem here is it's not just ensuring security and everything. It's the fact that Apple has this contract with the music companies. It wasn't easy to get. And having gotten that contract, the allowance of Harmony, real network system, to work on iPods essentially violates that contract. Yes, and well, in addition to that, Real could have sold DRM-free music. There were other companies that were selling DRM-free music. Amazon was selling music without DRM on it for, uh, before uh, Apple could get access to it. And there were Andes and stuff that could sell DRM-free music. And the iPad played them all. So Apple made, also made a deal with Audible to work with their DRM system for audiobooks. So there were a number of things that Real could have done to compete in the market. But what they chose to do is, is create this thing that, that Apple certainly couldn't even allow. And when they didn't allow it, you know, how many people bought real music, real DRM music with the intention of putting on their iPod and then seeing it not work? Very few. There was nobody selling or nobody was buying large amounts of DRM music from real. But according to the Wall Street Journal and everybody else that created these headlines that suggested that Apple was destroying everybody's music, it's really sensational. It's really dishonest. That didn't actually happen. I mean, we were all there. We all lived through it. This wasn't that long, long ago to like rewrite history to suggest that Apple somehow like got into its position by finagling and you know, forcing people to use DRM is kind of silly because we all lived through it. We know what happened. DRM, Apple made good products. Everybody else made confusing crap that nobody wanted. And everybody else was tainted with DRM. So this whole, this whole lawsuit was just such a joke. And I think what Apple wanted, they, they didn't want it dismissed. They wanted it to go to trial and have this outcome. So this was exactly what they needed. So that people can't keep bringing this kind of ridiculousness up. And that's the reason why the judge wouldn't dismiss it either. 
Yeah, I think there was an intention that we need to we need to answer this as opposed to just like dismissing it so it'll keep coming up in the future. So now we have the resolution. Obviously, the eight-member jury wasn't fooled for a moment. Three hours. It didn't take much to get things together. Sometimes it takes longer than that just to pick a jury foreman. Yeah, if you look at the case, it was it was pretty it was it was pretty sloppy with the what the attorneys were trying to get money for. And class actions, I don't understand why the media keeps reporting class actions as is like at first blush being a good for consumer thing. I've heard of a lot of class actions. I've participated in some, and it's like it's never something that's beneficial for consumers. It's a money grab for lawyers because they get millions of dollars. They get all their they get paid for standing in court for hours and hours and hours at multiple thousand per hour. You know, they get tons of money to like put on this case, and the individual consumers get bupkis. You know, you get like a ten dollar or whatever. So it's kind of a sham, and you know, it's there is a purpose for that. If a company is doing something that's that's um, bad for consumers and bad for bad in general, yeah, there should be recourse to sue them to stop them to basically charge them punitive damages if nothing else. And if the attorneys get that, then at least you know at least they're not going to do it anymore. The co- you know the company's doing something bad. There's some benefit in having uh, lawyers able to basically find the company through the courts. But um, in general. These cases that are being brought against companies that are supposedly representing millions of, of users are often shams, like over, overwhelmingly shammy when you read about these cases. Like what was the most recent one about Red Bull? <laughs> they, were suing, they were suing the makers of Red Bull for advertising that it gives you wings. I'll tell you what, and they we won. have wings on this show. We're going to fly away for a sec. We've got Daniel Aaron Dilger joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. We are America's largest independently owned communications network, GCN. Neighbors, are you tired of dealing with a slow web hosting provider? Well, check out a2 Hosting and their screaming fast Swift server platform. They even have SSDs that load pages 300% faster than the competition. Ready to give your site a speed boost? Well, tell you what, neighbors, head on over to a2hosting.com. That's A2, that's number two, a2hosting.com. Check out their Prime Hosting account. And get this, neighbors, They're even giving you an exclusive 25% off discount for all our listeners. 25%. And remember, their Guru Crew support team is standing by 24-7, 365 days a year to answer any of your questions. Now, to get the discount, use the coupon code GENE when you check out. 
Alex Jones here. For the last two years, I've been working with top doctors, nutritionists, and chemists to design a nutraceutical formulation that has truly life-changing health benefits. So many other formulations out there contain toxic ingredients, synthetic additives, and even GMOs. Introducing the all-new Ancient Defense Herbal Immunity Blend, crafted with over 14 key ancient herbs and extracts to supercharge and prepare your body for what experts admit is the most dangerous season of the year. We have rejected hundreds of other formulations in our quest to bring you what is simply the most powerful and comprehensive proprietary formula that we have ever created in the realm of herbal immunity. Experience the benefits of combining over 14 ancient herbs and extracts with exciting new advances in nutraceutical science. Now is the time to secure ancient defense for you and your family. Visit InfoWarsLife.com or call 1-888-253-3139. That's InfoWarsLife.com. Don't complain about your cable bill going up and up and up. Do something about it. Grab a pencil and jot down this special number. 1-855-905-MY-TV. The more cable TV rates go up, the better digital satellite TV looks. Say goodbye to the cable guy. And get more of your favorite channels in 100% digital quality for less money. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. Sign up for packages starting as low as $19.99 and there's no equipment to buy. You get free HD TV upgrade, a free DVR upgrade, and free professional and installation. You control what you watch when you watch it. Record your favorite shows, pause and rewind live TV, even skip the commercials. Watch local channels too. At just $19.99, what are you waiting for? Pull out your major credit or debit card. Call 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. Say goodbye to the cable guy. Cut costs and get more. 1-855-905-MY-TV. 1-855-905-MY-TV. This alert just came in. This special announcement is for business owners and leaders of organizations who've been waiting for the right time to build. General Steel has made it impossible to wait any longer with rock-bottom prices that could save you thousands. That's right, General Steel, America's leader in pre-engineered structures, is offering buildings at prices you will never see again. Don't miss these prices. A 50 by 100 for $35,000. You heard right, that's 5,000 square feet for $35,000. Manufacturers, if you need a larger building, try a 100 by 100 commercial building for $129,000. You can't afford to rent with these prices. Imagine a 70 by 100 foot church building for under $69,000. With the economy improving and interest rates still at historic lows, you can't afford to wait. So call 866-91-STEEL. Lock in your price now. Call 866-91-STEEL. That's 866-917-8335. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We're still soaring. We got the wings. We're still soaring. So Red Bull gives you wings. And let's have a class action lawsuit against Red Bull, which is a caffeinated drink, folks. I'm sure you know. And maybe you think you're flying, but it's just caffeine. We have Daniel Aaron Delger of Apple Insider and Roughly Drafted Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. I don't know if either of us needs wings or needs, well, we need the coffee, though. Got to have that coffee. Yeah, I do need it. See, we caught you before you had the coffee, but he's still pretty alert. Doesn't matter. <laughs> so anyway, 
we have our final segment and our next two final episode for the year. Daniel, looking at 2015, we're seeing already the all the crying and moaning that Apple Watch must be a failure. Now, I don't know about you, but smartwatches have done nothing during the holiday season so far that I've heard about. So did Apple suck the air out of the room with Apple Watch or what? Yes. I mean, that was it. That was why they announced Apple Watch now. But at the same time, there was no real air in the room. I mean, there was not like people lining up to get these experimental devices. They're not very good. And if you look at the history of, you know, phones before the iPhone and tablets before the iPad and even music players before the iPod, that looks an awful lot like smartwatches before Apple's introduction. They're, they're just not very compelling. And there's, there's some of these activity watches that, you know, for athletes and stuff, it makes some sense to have a, a device like this. But they're very much a niche thing. And the watches that Samsung is, is trying to sell, it's kind of like a smartphone for your wrist. And there's not a lot of, a lot of thought that went into it. I mean, certainly it's, it's difficult to make any product. But when I see those things, it's not something that I, want, that I would want to wear. Where what Apple's doing with Apple Watch is really interesting in that it's, it's something that, that looks like a watch, but it works like a computer, which is very similar to the iPad and the iPhone and uh, doing some iPod, that it uses the same kind of things that Apple's good at to do things that are useful in primarily communication and also monitoring your fitness level activity. And having an opportunity to basically create a second screen for your phone so that you can have an interactive model that works better than pulling out your phone and working on it. So it's very much like what the iPad did in terms of here's a new category that uses the same technology that's in the iPhone to do something that's not just a bigger iPhone, but it allows you to do different kinds of things. And now they're going the other direction saying, here's something that's even more mobile than a phone. It's smaller. It's always on your wrist, so it's a glance available. And it has new interactive interaction mechanisms like the force press and, and being able to tap you. And the, in, the connection between the phone and, and the watch is similar to the continuity stuff that they put out between Macs and iPads and phones. So it's, it's, it's a a very well-considered extension of what Apple has been doing. And it's also sells for more money. So it's going to be a thing where it's not just a tech product. It's also a fashion object and sort of a, a a status symbol too, because, you know, to sell expensive watches to, to people who like expensive things, there's a marker for that. So it's an interesting direction for Apple to take. Now I have to decide here whether I want to set aside my $59 Casio. I don't know what this Casio costs. They have to be like $49 or $59. So I got a number of years ago. And it needs a battery, so I haven't used it lately. But I have to decide next year whether I should set that aside, this very cheap watch or the $99 guest watch that I've had for 10 years, and get myself an Apple Watch, assuming I have a spare $349. What's the argument to convince people to buy this thing? Well, it's not primarily a watch. It's primarily a, an extension of the stuff that Apple does in a wearable device. So if you want to tell time on your wrist, then there's cheaper ways to do that. 
but this is heavy on uh, monitoring your activity. It's a big communicator and it opens up this whole iOS app uh, ecosystem to do things on your wrist or to get immediate feedback in ways that are faster and smarter than having to deal with your phone. <clears throat> and then also Apple Pay is an interesting new wrinkle on things. And the, you know, remember when the iPhone came out and there were some obvious things that everybody realized this would be great if you could do this and this on, on, on a mobile device, things like maps and then apps that were that came out for the phone, let you do cool new things that nobody had really thought about before. Imagine that same kind of innovation going into apps that are even more personal that go on your wrist. So we're going to see things that we didn't, didn't anticipate and very likely that Apple didn't anticipate. I assume that Apple didn't anticipate the reception for the iPad or even the usage pattern. This is something where they put the product out there and maybe they had a sense of how it should be done, where it could go, but then it's up to the people who buy them to take that concept and bring it to wherever its potential might be. Yeah, I mean, it's it's the ecosystem. And what the App Store has done in creating an ecosystem that is very uh, maintained so that people have a very clear idea of when they go to the App Store, they're going to get this. And it is possible to get junk in the App Store, but it's not the only thing there. And it's not the, the primary thing there. I think Apple does need to do a much better job at positioning things. Like if you go to the App Store and search for things, it's, it's hard to find decent search results. So I've heard people know, I think John Gruber said that, was, was pointing out the obvious, everybody knows it. Uh, when you search on the web for apps, the response you get from Google search is usually more helpful than if you go to the app store and search for it directly. Like if you're trying to search for something, you can't remember exactly how it's spelled. You know, the app store doesn't help you at all. And, you know, Google is very good at, if you can get something sort of fanatical, it will figure out what you're saying and give you some results. So um, Apple needs to work on, I think, better merchandising, positioning stuff in the App Store, being, making things more visible and findable, searchable, I guess is the word. Um, but beyond that, there's really no competition to the App Store in terms of what people are developing apps for. People, you know, the media likes to keep talking about how Android has 80% of something, but they certainly don't have 80% of the apps being built. Even apps that are very popular often take months to get to Android after they've reached popularity on iOS because it's just so much easier to build apps for iOS. And Apple keeps making that easier and easier with things like Swift and the optimizations you can make with Metal. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens in the future. But the fact that Apple has just kind of taken over, I mean, Apple owns premium devices of any kind. There's very little competition. That's very little real competition. And Samsung, which has been the largest competitor up till now, is facing some real problems. And they're losing, they're losing people, they're losing talent. It'll be really interesting to see how much they can turn things around because now they're facing all these Chinese companies that are capable of building clones just as well as Samsung can, except they're willing to make less money doing so. Where do you go with that? Daniel Aaron Dilger, please tell our listeners where they can find more of your stuff. All right, for... Uh, Apple Insider, and I have my stuff on Twitter. Usually, if I write something else, it'll show up on Twitter, just Daniel E R A N Daniel Aaron at at Daniel Aaron, I guess. And then I occasionally write. I'm, I'm thinking I need to resurrect roughly drafted. I need to find a host and figure out some stuff. But 
It'll happen. Hey, we're happening on Twitter. Look at Tech Night Owl. Look at Tech Night Owl on Twitter. Check out plus.technightowl.com. It's plus.technightowl.com to check out the Tech Night Owl Plus. Tech Night Owl Plus gives you the ad-free version of the radio show with a higher resolution format, clearer, crisper, unless we have a bad cell phone connection with somebody, and it's ad-free. Modest subscription rate, Tech Night Owl Plus. We also have another radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night. And this weekend, we're talking about sky people with Dr. Artie Sixkiller Clark. That's an amazing name on the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's Paracast.com. Daniel Aaron Dilger, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Yeah, thanks for having me, Gene. Have a happy holidays and have a happy new year if I don't see you before then. Same to you, my friend. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bad time, same bad channel.